Welcome to Hive Mind. I am here with my co-host Eli McCann and special guest Maddie Murphy of the Bad Broadcast. Hello. Maddie, hey, hi. Thanks so much for being here. Of course, uh, I'm so excited. We're so excited to have you. Tell us what you've been watching. What I've been watching. Okay, so this was a rewatch for me. Last night we watched The Gentleman mm. with Matthew McConaughey. Have you seen it? Mm-mm. Either of you? Okay, it was like the so it was like the last movie we saw in theaters in 2020. And okay, so it was like exactly a year ago. So we were oh. like, well, let's watch it again. Cool. And my husband's also reading Matthew McConaughey's book. So he's like, Wait, been so, in love I'm with sorry. What? He's a bu- Matthew he's McConaughey a has a book. You guys, he has an audio book and it's so, it's the most sexual thing. If it's not called All Right, All Right, All Right, I am going to kill <laughs> he has, myself. Okay. Did you know this? Just a fun fact. I'm full of Matthew McConaughey fun facts because Please. of the book. Um, did you know that he said that All Right, All Right, All Right were, were the very first words that he ever had in a movie. The very first what? words he said on screen. Dazed and Confused, Dazed right? and Confused, Yeah. So that's why oh. it's like it's like become his thing. But I didn't know that when he gave his Oscar speech. And now I'm learning that that's why it was in there because cool. they were his first words. Anyways, mm-hmm. so we watched The Gentleman and then I just did a uh, Patreon episode about this and I watched it twice last week is The Framing Britney Spears. Oh my gosh. Yep. I yeah. just watched it too. Yeah. It's a. It's like it was so much more emotional than I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. I did not know I had like I had like deep core memories tied to Britney Spears. Right. And so watching it, yeah, it was like, it was weirdly emotional. Even, yeah, Matt and I got into a huge talk about it this morning, just everything, you know, that she went through. It's it's hard. Are we still doing this to young women? You know, yeah. what's, I was telling a friend yesterday, I remember being about 14 and hearing people talk about whether or not she had slept with Justin Timberlake and oh thinking, why are we doing this? Yeah. Where are the adults? Why are they letting yeah. this happen? Yeah. Well, so it, I don't think we are at least not as bad as we were then. Because while I was watching this, I kept thinking this feels like another lifetime. Yeah. I was just like this. I can't believe. And it's I, so I remember shocking. it, of course, because like as I was watching, I'm like, oh, yeah, this did happen. But it feels so long ago because I'm like, this, this couldn't happen now. But then I got thinking about it. I'm like, maybe I'm just checked out of the way like young women are being treated I, I, now. Maddie, you're younger than us. Are we still doing this to young women? Well, I so I, I said this in... Yeah, I was talking about this in my episode that, um, like, you know, I have my own gripes with cancel culture. Everybody does or, you know, whatever. It's very black and white. I don't agree with a lot of cancel culture. However, I think that there's a lot that's been done that protects people. Like, these interviews that Britney Spears is going on, and they're saying, are you a virgin? Yeah. Like, that would never happen now. I don't don't think. Like, and maybe... Yeah, I just think that the progress that we've made in that arena is good. I think that a lot of women, like, if you said that to Ariana Grande, like, if she was in an interview and somebody said, are you a virgin? She would be like, what are you, why would you ask me that? Yeah. You know, so I do feel like, but Britney Spears, she was like the the first one, she was like the template for like a pop star. Like, nobody knew what female pop stars were going to be yeah. until Britney Spears and she just had no like framework to protect her. Like nobody had ever done this. So people were like, "Yeah, it's interesting yeah. to like talk about her boobs." Cuz but the, now, yeah. The Madonna era was was a different kind of pop star. Yeah, I feel I feel like I mean And it does it does feel like when Britney Spears came along it was like, "Oh, here's what the new young female pop star looks totally, like." Totally. And then it you sort of had like the Christina Aguilera and mm-hmm. you know the kind of models that sort of followed that. And it did feel new. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And yeah, I mean, I feel that way just like I love Britney till I mm. die. And I feel like any modern female pop star has like her to thank for so many things. Because you know, mm. I heard an interview with Taylor Swift about a year ago and I'm not like a 
Swifty. I what I, I think she's the, great. part of the Swifterhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, she's great. I'm just it's not my jam. But yeah. the interviewer asked her, "Do you have any regrets about not being a mother?" And she really laid into this guy deservedly because mm-hmm. what's his business? Yes. And I'm like, I think she might have Britney Spears to thank for that. No, I agree. I totally agree. I have a lot of thoughts about the the weaponizing motherhood thing yeah. because the thing is, is that. Brittany, so in the Diane Sawyer interview, when she's in the in the documentary, when she's talking to, to Diane Sawyer, and Diane Sawyer says, you know, how do you explain yourself to mothers? You know, yeah. you're let, and I, first of all, it's not a pop star's job to raise your kids. Yeah. But it's like, we weaponize that against her, like you're letting mothers down. And then when she's older and she has her own kids, now the narrative is she's an unfit mother. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you don't, have you ever heard the term unfit father? And you ever. Have, no, you never no, hear and that. You, you would never, you would never see an interviewer, especially then or now, uh, talk to some male artist and be like, what do you have to say to fathers well you know what yeah do you you know for your explicit music and the way you treat women and talk about women don't you you know what kind of example are you setting for kids yeah you're you're, you know you would never hear that totally yeah the the motherhood thing is just it's like the jugular like if you can tell somebody that they they let mothers down or they're not a good mother it's like yeah it's just it's it's crazy and we've just I mean, another, this is a whole other time. I mean, I obviously have some feelings about this if you guys want to talk about it. But yeah, when she, I mean, anytime Britney Spears had a feeling, like any feeling, positive or negative, it was, I mean, it was attacked in every Mm -hmm. possible way. I'm Mm -hmm. like, no wonder. I mean, people are like, I I can't believe she shaved her head. I'm like, are you kidding? I would shave everyone's head that I know. Like, I would be off the rails not being, so... Anyways, that was a good watch, emotional watch. Where can yep. people find your Patreon? So my Patreon is just, atta- it's it's always like in my bio, but okay. people are always like, oh, do I have to pay to listen to your podcast? No, you can all, my podcast is free. There's just extra episodes on Patreon. And I usually do, because my weekly episodes are more just kind of goofy and like we do bad dates, bad in-law stories, but then my Patreon is more like deep dives like we did like titanic conspiracy theories and just kind of like topics that i can't really do weekly because yeah. they just um, don't fit the format so yeah. yeah i did a did a britney deep dive and it was yeah it was very cathartic it was weirdly cathartic cool. <laughs> can't, can't, i can't wait to subscribe to the patreon yes <laughs> check yes. it out you pay my rent when you do that so <laughs> well you're welcome uh anything else um, well, you said podcasts that we've been listening yes. to. I have been, I love the Scared to Death podcast. Oh. It's a comedian that I really like named Dan Cummins and his wife, Lindsay. And they just tell, it's not true crime. I'm kind of like on true crime overload. It's more, um, they're just like spooky stories, like kind of folklore okay. style stuff. But they're, yeah, they're funny and they're a little bit lighter because they're, you know, a couple and he's like, He's always trying to scare her. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so Matt and I have been been into that. So that's kind of my podcast lately. Scared to death. Scared to death. Yep. Wonderful. Yeah. Eli, what have you been watching? Okay, so speaking of podcasts and cancel culture, I've been following this Reply All stuff this week. And it's been very, yes. it's been a little strange for me. And I don't quite know how to talk about it because I feel a little confused about what's happening. So Reply All is a podcast that it sounds like all three of us like. I I'm I'm like don't know actually really anything about okay. it. I've just the drama that's going on now. Me- Meg and I love Reply All. It's like mm-hmm. one of my favorite pods. It's really yeah. really well produced, and right now they're producing a series on the racism um, that existed at Bon Appetit and Test Kitchen. Yes, and it's it's really well the produced. The Bon Appetit Test Kitchen. The Bon Appetit Test Kitchen. That's just I just one thing. I don't want people to come for America's Test Kitchen because it's sacred to me. Understood. Okay, um, so. They're doing they're doing this series on it and they're interviewing employees who experienced, you know, this kind of systemic 
problems uh, at this company. And it's it's really well done. It's really interesting. Well, a, a few days ago, a former employee of Reply All, the podcast, uh, tweeted out this thread. No, he wasn't, sorry to keep cutting you off, but he's a Gimlet employee. He's not sure. even okay. on the production staff of Reply of All. Of Reply All, but he works for the company that produces yeah. Reply All. Thank you for correcting me, Meg. Um, uh, tweeted this thread about a negative experience he had with one of the hosts of Reply All, and in, in particular, the person who is producing this particular series. And he sort of suggests that Actually, they created the same kind of culture that they're now talking about that existed at Bon Appetit, and they did it primarily by opposing unionizing within Gimlet, the company that owns Reply All. Um, And I I think part of what I'm confused about the whole thing is the people that he's accusing of doing this have already – they preemptively kind of owned up to the fact that they had opposed the unionizing and they said, you know, we're wrong and we wish we hadn't done that. And, you know, this series is kind of an interesting look for us because we kind of realized that we had created some of the same problems at our company and blah, blah, blah. Well, he tweeted this thread out. And then within a few hours, this co-host of Reply All resigned from the podcast. Wait, what? Which one? PJ Vogt. Like he, oh my gosh. a few hours later, he he tweeted out this statement and was like, I really regret that I oppose unionizing, and I've asked Reply All um, to allow me to step away now. Thank you for like the great time. And it was just like this two-paragraph thing. And I'm, I'm really confused about it, and I wish somebody could explain it a little bit better to me because from my perspective, it looks like he did a specific—he opposed a specific policy change, then set, thought about it and was like, oh, actually, I shouldn't be opposing that because it's creating this like negative culture at my company— he like talked about it, apologized about it, and then helped produce this podcast about like why that kind of thing is not helpful within a company. And then somebody was like, "Hey, but remember when you did this?" And he, and and then like a couple hours later, he resigned. So I'm really confused oh, about it. So you're it. saying like he had already talked about it and acknowledged it, and then they like canceled him over I, it. From yeah. what I can tell, this tweet thread that happened the other day didn't give any new information that they hadn't already Weird. been addressing. Yeah, he had apologized right? already even before these episodes came out. So it's not to bring it back to Britney Spears, Justin Timberlake apologizing 20 years later <laughs> after the documentary comes out. Yeah. It was, I bet he felt really good yeah. about his apology. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Justin Timberlake's like, yeah. It, it's them coming to their own conclusion that they had been wrong, apologizing for it before they even started producing these episodes. Okay. Yeah. And and to be clear, the guy who tweeted out this thread, I, I don't think he did anything wrong. It was really interesting to read his perspective on, like, here's what that felt like on yeah. my side. So I, I'm not trying to criticize him for doing that. Um, there was a little bit of a Twitter mob that, like, that day was mm-hmm. just like... Toward PJ, toward yeah, PJ, toward PJ, and toward how do you say your name, Thruthy? Oh, I don't know. I can never remember how to say your name. And reply all generally um, that I was a little bit confused about because I was like, I what, what did we get new information here? And so I don't know. I've been very, I've been following it. It's been very interesting. I guess we'll see what happens. And so was he making it sound like he was stepping down because yeah, of that? Oh yeah. Weird. Yeah, it was. A, it was a, in light of what just happened. I've just, you know, obviously, I need some time to reflect yeah, on that's, how I can. That's the myself. thing with cancel culture, and I don't think this is a hot take. I think this is like the problem with it that a lot of people talk about. N- no growth allowed. Like no changing your. Like people can't change their minds. They can't say so- like there's none. We don't let people learn or grow because the minute we like see something, it's just we. Cut well, it off. I think especially in a situation like this, because 
another interesting thing that happened in pop culture this week was Chris Harrison. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Also oh, stepping right. down. But I think with him, he really actually needs time to reflect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What he said totally was agree. very stupid. No. He obviously has yeah. not done the work to be anti-racist, and yeah. he needs to take time to do that. What confuses me about this situation is PJ had already owned up to the mistakes he had made and didn't make an apology because of public pressure, but because he actually thought he was wrong. Right. It's even It's like even constructive growth or whatever is like negative somehow not all missteps are created equally yeah and sometimes people need to be quote-unquote canceled and like exit please exit the arena yeah and sometimes we need to be able to say like hey what you did is wrong and we're calling you out on that and you know they if they're able to acknowledge it and kind of like grow and progress from it like we probably need to give one another a little more room for that. Yeah. Well, and like, I like that. No missteps are created because it's true. Like people like Louis CK are not akin to (laughs) this guy, you know, it's like, it's not the same thing. They don't deserve their careers crushed in the same fashion because of what they did. Yeah. Dang. Anyway, um, that's been interesting. I watched the the Dolly Parton Here I Am documentary. Have you guys seen it? No, no tell us about you it. Got, you have to watch it. It's it is the most lovely Wait, like seventy minutes. Where did you watch it? I think it's on Hulu. Okay, wherever I watched it, it was free. Did so you see just, her statement about her statue? Oh my gosh, Dolly I love Parton her. is a perfect. They want so they want to build a statue out of her, and she declined because she's like, now's not a time to be putting money toward this. But like, thank you so much, and maybe in the future when we're in a better place, I would love it if you reconsidered and built. A statue for me i'm gonna build a statue of her. <laughs> we like, all build our I own will, statue. i will enshrine her she's, in my living she's room per, so the documentary dolly parton here i am it's it's just like a walk through her career it's it includes interviews with her if you can't root for dolly parton like there's something wrong oh with, totally with you like she's just such a lovely person and it really was just like warmth it just warmed my soul so did you totally listen to the podcast last last year two years ago Dolly Parton, I think, Made in America or something. Uh-uh. I really wanted to like it, but it was one of those podcasts where the host makes it more about themselves than oh, about the subject. So I'm excited to watch this because it sounds like it's exactly what I need. If, Dolly Parton, if Dolly Parton is your subject, like you should not spend one minute talking about anything else. You shouldn't say anything. It should just <laughs> yeah, all just be Dolly don't Parton. don't speak. Yeah. Just let her. The, the exception to that rule, though, is the Richard Simmons podcast from a few years ago, the like Finding Richard Simmons, and the guy I talks totally about totally forgot about that his podcast. Journey. That was, it was wild. was so good. <laughs> Okay, um, I'm. I decided to do a rewatch of Schitt's Creek because I've been kind mm. of dragging Schitt's Creek and all the credit it's been getting. And what I've discovered is I kind of forgot how good the middle seasons of this show are. Season one is almost unwatchable to me at this point because they ha- they don't quite have their legs under them yet. I would say that for most shows, it's, mm-hmm. that's true. Um, I really disliked the last season. I know that's not a popular take, but I was just like, oh dear, but. <laughs> About seasons two through four, I was watching and I was like, okay, this really was an excellent show. And the character development's really good. The writing is very witty. Um, but speaking of, Annie Murphy has a new show coming out on AMC. Have you guys seen the preview for this? I've, I know that it's gritty, but I haven't it seen the preview. Looks what is wild. it? What's it called? I don't know exactly what is going on in this, but basically, <laughs> from what I can gather, I it's Annie Murphy is like, married to this dude and he's just kind of this dud and she keeps imagining her life through the lens of like a sitcom so like it'll flash to like her and her husband 
like in a in sitcom lighting and like a kind of a CBS sitcommy thing with a laugh track, and then it'll flash back to her real life, which is like kind of a grittier version of that. And it looks like a journey of this woman being like, oh, like I, I'm in an unhappy marriage with like a dud, and I'm gonna like start breaking through that and kind of become a little bit more myself. It looks fascinating. And I love Annie Murphy. I think she's really good. And she looks, it's interesting to see her in a part that is completely different than Alexis Rose from Schitt's Creek. So I'm really excited to see what else she can do because Schitt's Creek's like really all we've ever seen her in so far. And do you say it's on AMC? Uh, AMC. Okay. Maddie, are are you related to Annie? Yeah, we're twins. Good. Yeah, can you not? I can tell. tell. That's so rude. (laughs) Identical. (laughs) We're we're all twins with her. Yeah. Uh, Meg, what have you been watching? Okay, I watched Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. (gasps) How was it? It was so great. It was was so great. It's so fun is the perfect word for it. Just I need that. Ninety minutes of fun. Complete bizarre fever dream nonsense. Yes. Fun. So stupid. That's what I need. So so stupid, but. So delightful and exactly the movie we need right now. It's two people going on vacation at a resort in Florida and falling in love with Christian Grey from Fifty Shades of Grey. Perfect. It's it's really great. Yeah, I think I'll enjoy that Kristen Wiig role more than uh, Wonder Woman. Oh, I didn't see Wonder Woman. I didn't see it either, honestly, because Kristen Wiig is the villain. I was like, I don't want to see her as a villain. She's actually the best part of that movie. Is she? There aren't a lot of good parts of that movie. Okay, then maybe I'll give it a She's kind of fun in it. I also, I mean, I like Gal, is it Gal Gadot? Yeah. We Good question. Know. I always That's hear been it. A I've always heard it. I heard it. Heard it. Godot, but Godot is just like. I think it's actually Godot. I, I think you are right. Remember when she saved us from coronavirus? <laughs> Imagine yes. all the. I do remember so that. So thankful to her for oh. that. Um, Judas and the Black Messiah, mm. which I wanted to like a lot more than I did. Oh no! But it was interesting to watch on the heels of the trial of the Chicago Seven because it's that same time period, mm-hmm. sixty-eight to sixty-nine. Really great performances from Daniel Kaluuya and Lakeith Stanfield and Jesse Plemons. Jesse Plemons is so good. He you guys. is so good. I think he might be the best actor of our generation. Really? I really do. Oh, I, I, oh my gosh! You know who I was thinking? Okay. I know who you're thinking about now. You're talking about the guy from He's in Breaking Bad? Yeah, yeah. and yeah. Friday Night Lights. Friday Night Lights. And uh, I was thinking of Jesse What's-His-Face, who did, like, the, who, like, had the fake hate crime last year. Oh. Small, Jesse um, Smollett. Smollett. Yeah, something yeah. like that. I'm sorry, what fake hate crime? Meg. Did you not oh, hear about this? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, now yeah. I remember. He yeah. faked Wait, what crime. show was he on? He was on... Empire? Yeah. That's some, right. Some, something like that. <laughs> when you said that, I was like, wait, is he back? Did I miss this? No. Jesse Plemons. cancel culture. Him in, uh, in the Kiki. episode of Black Mirror. So good. Oh, I never saw that. Oh. That, that one's worth going and watching. Okay. Black Mirror always felt like too much for me, and I feel like it's especially too much right now. It's not, oh. a, it's not a bingeable. I can't binge it. Yeah. I mean, it's, I've had my phone in my hand since March, and I just don't need to be reminded of how dangerous the, that yes. is. The Jesse Plemons one is on the like lesser side of depressing it's okay. because it's a scenario that's like this would never happen it's a to little me. bit more fan like fan fan-ficky. Fan-ficky. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> a little more science fiction yeah because yeah. yeah. it's like in space it's worth watching he's okay. very good in it and he he was nominated for an emmy, emmy. for it and that episode was nominated for an emmy yeah, yeah. what's his role in this one because i feel like he's always a creep so, yes, exactly. That's what he is. In this. Really? The premise of this movie is that Lakeith Stanfield is an FBI informant who is pretending to be part of the Black Panthers. And Jesse Plemons is the FBI agent who's working with uh, Lakeith wait, Stanfield. This is this movie was just made. Yeah. No, a couple years ago. What's it called? No, you're thinking um, of 
uh, Black Klansman. Black Black Klansman. That's the same plot. Except it's the opposite because oh, you said he's the infiltrating other, the clan. The clan. Okay. This they're yeah. infiltrating Black oh, right. Panthers. But it, it's the same. That's like the exact same plot. It's just reversed. Yeah. Except isn't I know I only watched the first half of Black Klansman. Wasn't it kind of a dark comedy? It did have some weird, I like, guess. comedic. This yeah. is parts. this is very heavy. This uh-huh. is a very heavy, and it's kind of a slog. If we're being honest, there's mm. just kind of too much going on. Yeah. There's three different important stories, and mm. there needed mm-hmm. to be one important story. Yeah. But the performances are really, really good, and I wouldn't be surprised to see at least three acting nominations Whoa. come out of this. Mm. Cool. So, mm-hmm. I think he's a first-time director, and like, good job. You know, can't yeah. wait to see the next movie, and then. We spent the weekend in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and in the middle of a pandemic in a hotel, and so we didn't go anywhere. Instead, mm-hmm. we turned on the TV and watched the movies that came on TV three uh-huh. in a row. What a ride. TV. It was it was wild, and it was fun. Like, I kind of miss commercials. No, Watching no, commercials, are, I say it's that. fun. I say that. We watched stuff on YouTube TV, yeah. and that's like, we can fast forward. I'm like, no, it's nostalgic. <laughs> I, love, yeah. I like it. I like no, The I like search going. commercial. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to tell you what we watched and how they've held up, because they're all movies. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I love this so okay. much. Ready? She's all that. Ooh. It's not good, guys. I, I can tell you right now that one did not. That one I don't even think was okay at the time. It's What's very her face? Bad. Josie and the Pussycats. Yeah, she's great, and this movie did her dirty. Yeah. It's it's very hard Ooh. to watch and like pretty not consenty. I just yeah. I was oh, very yeah. uncomfortable. Yeah. Luckily, next was The Devil Wears Prada. Oh, um, that's... oh, that's, And I'm sorry, Meryl Streep in that movie up. is the best performance that has ever been no, on it's in my It's in my forever top five. Forever. Yeah, she, I love Devil Wears Prada. She gives Incredible. me chills. Every quote she says in that movie gives me chills. This yes. movie did remind me why Anne Hathaway kind of bugs me. And I feel like a terrible woman tearing down another woman, but Anne Hathaway in this movie is a lot. And thanks to Emily Blunt and Meryl Streep, it's still watchable, but oh, she's guys. not even close to being the most annoying person in that movie, though. No, the boyfriend is. Yeah, don't even unwatchable. Villain. Unwatchable. I cannot. I cannot even. I have a four-part uh, <laughs> TikTok. Four parts. Like I feel like I could write. <laughs> I could write a dissertation about Nate from Double Wars Prada. He's I swear the, he's on my the life. worst. Her friends, the friends are, are the no, worst. Her friends, except suck. Harry Crane. He's. Only supportive he's, during it. He's Except fine. the scene where they steal her phone. I'm like, you guys are yeah. assholes. No, like, she's right. You're worst. assholes. Yeah. No, it, I literally, it fills me with such rage, but I do love Stanley. I want them to remake that entire movie with the exact same cast, except get rid of all the friends. Yeah. 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 And just have it be Anne Hathaway advances her career. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But also to add on, I don't like Anne Hathaway either. Okay. Thank Aww. you. I don't like her. But I do like what's, what I think is, a good sign of her talent is that I like a lot of movies that she's in. Yeah. Like I love Devil Wears Prada. I always love Princess Diary. Like stuff like that that I'm like, I don't really like her, but I like her movies. Her movies are good. Yeah. And then Clueless, which oh, like up. a fine wine is yeah. only getting better with yeah. age. I, I watched it for the very first time last year during oh cor- during my lockdown. Goodness. Yeah. I and- never I had never. I love it. I did a like a chick flick March Madness bracket because yeah. lockdown had just started and I was like got nothing else to do. We'll watch all the chick flicks. Mm. So I watched like Clueless. I hadn't ever seen. I had also never seen uh, 10 Things I Hate About You. <laughs> and so I watched that. And then there was another one. I think maybe Steel Magnolias. Oh, classic. All remember. of them. Yeah, all of those that I hadn't seen. And I, I feel like for most people, they have like a nostalgic quality because you grew up watching them. Like that's how I feel about like Miss Congeniality. Like stuff like that yeah, that yeah, I yeah. watched all the time. So I didn't have that because I didn't watch it as a kid. But it's like, 
I get it. I get why yeah. it's iconic. You know? But did you like it? Yeah. Like yeah. as a movie? Yeah, I did. I did. Like very quotable. Yeah. Very. Yeah, I liked Paul it. Paul Rudd as a baby. I know. <laughs> and he looks the exact same. The exact same. Yeah. Anyway, that was so fun. I recommend watching TV. Okay. That's my takeaway. <laughs> uh, we are here today to talk about Promising Young Woman. And I invited Maddie because I saw Maddie post about this. I don't remember your exact words, but it was something like, that movie really messed me up. Yeah, it wrecked me. Yeah, yeah, it wrecked me. It wrecked me, and it's one of the best movies I've ever seen. So why don't you start and tell us why you feel it's one of the best movies you've ever seen? Well, oh man. So I saw it on, I should have rewatched it right before this, but I saw it on Christmas. Mm-hmm. Cheerful, obviously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just, it's right. really in the spirit. No, but Matt and I just have had a lot of really thoughtful, honest conversations about how the movie felt to both of us mm-hmm. in our, posi- you know, being a man and a woman. And I mean, I love the dialogue in it. I love the cast. I love the cast. Bo Burnham is like, has always been one of my favorite comedians. And so I, I love him. Um, I love like the aesthetic of it, the like kind of Pepto pink yeah. against like the really hard, really gritty, but then like the ultra feminine, you know, she's always got like a bow in her hair and she's always very like the blonde curls. It's all very sweet and innocent and girly, yeah. quote unquote girly, you know, against like really rough topics, rough scenes, like all of that. So I, I just, I enjoyed, I enjoyed literally every part of it. Mm. I loved, I, I loved it. My husband came home from seeing it and he said, I am so sorry. Yeah. And he was he yeah. was kind of joking, but also uh-huh. like, yeah, oh boy, yeah. This um, was an eye opening experience, totally. And I just think, I mean, I just think you can tell a lot about a man based on how he reacts to this movie. So, you know, I didn't tell me. I didn't think the men did anything wrong in this movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you love him. You love him even like, yeah. And that well, that's the thing is that I um I've like talked to like guy friends mm. that have seen it and they're like. Yeah, well, you know, it's the defense. The defense comes up. Not all men. Yeah, not all men. Yeah. I would never. You you got you're gonna get me tooed now. You know, I don't yeah. you know, it's just you can tell a lot about if they're willing to have those conversations yeah. and kind of see things through a different lens. Um yeah. It I, was it was it was good. I think this is the not all men movie, right? Yeah. We had <laughs> Me Too, yeah, where we went after predators. Legit yeah. Harvey Weinstein, these men have done terrible things. Mm-hmm. And this was the next step. Yeah. In that conversation. Totally. The nice guys totally. and how complicit they are. And what I love what I love about that and what I love about the cast is that the guys who they cast are all of these guys I, who we have all Adam freaking Brody. Adam Brody. McLovin. Yeah. Uh Bo Burnham. Yeah. Um, you know, all of the, Schmidt. Richard from Veep. Yeah. Yeah. Schmidt at Schmidt, the end. Yeah. All and of the these... guy from Glow is the villain. Uh-huh. Yep. Oh, I've never watched Glow. Oh my he gosh. Also, Glow he, is so good. I, I need to watch I, it. I, I could, we kept trying to remember where I had seen him, and it was, uh, he was in The Help. He was? Yeah, who was he, he in The Help? He played the husband of the woman who lives out in the country. I forget who that actress is, oh, the blonde. Oh, yeah, Jessica yeah. Chastain. Chastain. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. Just, he's great, and on Glow, yeah. he's—I mean, like a lot of these characters—he's just a lovable dude. In, yeah. in the help, yeah. he is the husband who is like the supportive, yeah. loving yeah. husband. That's I mean, what Bo Burnham is yeah. like America's sweetheart. Connie Britton, we mm-hmm. all love her. The casting was so subversive in such an effective way. Yeah. Well, and with that, like Adam Brody, all of us grew up. I mean, I grew up with the OC. Yeah. It was like Seth Cohen was like the pinnacle of like sweet. Of nice guy. Yeah. Like just this nice, religious, clean cut, whatever. And 
Mm. Yeah, it's part of like the visceral experience of watching Promising Young Woman is that you're like, no, I that's not, no, I don't mm-hmm. know you as that. And that's, I mean, kind of the point, obviously. But um, yeah, the casting was amazing, especially I, with all of the side parts. And Alison Brie. Alison Brie, yes. I just think the casting was impeccable. Jennifer Coolidge as the mom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As, in a sad role. Yeah. In a very not Jennifer Coolidge yeah. role. She was good. She was really good. Yeah. Um, I'm going to share a fact with you. Okay. I'm still recovering from learning this because it blew my mind so hard. Mm-hmm. The director and writer of this movie, Emerald Fennell, yeah. is Camilla in The Crown. What? Yes. Oh my gosh. I know. When is a good time to say I haven't watched I the guess Crown? now. <laughs> but I need you to watch season four of The okay. Crown. Okay. And then your appreciation for this woman is going to triple. Interesting. Okay. Her performance in season four of The Crown, I think, is the strongest. As Camilla. As Camilla. And She's you really like good. her? She's really we good. like yeah. Camilla. Which is, I know, which is an astonishing feat to pull yeah. off. And she does it. Yeah. So. We're, we're also seeing in season four of The Crown early Camilla pre divorce. Oh. So I don't, I'll be curious to I see mean, what happens she's from here. still an adulterer. Yeah. It's still hard to side with her, and she does it. Yeah. It really, the, okay, we, this isn't a Crown podcast, but this season <laughs> demonstrated that it's really, I pity anyone who's in the system, in the royal system. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 100%. And uh, Camilla's a victim. Charles is a victim. Diana is a victim. Yeah. Of, and the Queen. And the queen, of course, the queen. Mm-hmm. All right. I just, I had to get that fact out there because I'm still processing from when I learned it two hours ago. Do we have any criticisms of this movie? Yes. Okay, go. Um, my only criticism, well, I had a criticism, but then I realized that it wasn't. And that was, I, the whole time I was, I was having kind of a hard time because I was taking the movie a little too literally. Mm, mm-hmm. And it was like, this would never happen. This would never happen. And then I, I left the movie and I got thinking about it. I'm like, the movie didn't want me to think that a woman could actually pull off all this revenge in this way. Like, yeah. And that she would devote her life to it. And I was like, I, once I kind of took a step back and was like, oh, I don't need to take this so literally. It's more of like a statement on kind of what's happening and the way people are acting, whatever else. Then it's a lot more interesting. My So my only, I think actual criticism is i think sometimes i wish that the villain the villainy was a little less on the nose Mm -hmm. so um there's like the scene where richard splat i don't know the actor's real name richard sam richardson sam richardson um like where it feels a little scooby-dooey like i would have gotten away with it too if it wasn't for you kids and the dog or whatever Mm -hmm. where he's walking out and then he's like trying to lure her home and he thinks she's really drunk and then she tells like basically shows that she's actually not intoxicated and he's like wait a minute you're not drunk what you know and it, it yeah. was like a little it, it there were wait, moments is this McLovin? huh no is this... he's the black one with the fedora oh okay so yeah, there, yeah, there yeah. were moments in the movie where i got a little bit pulled out of it because i was like okay we wrote this a little too much realistically these guys are absolutely disgusting and if they suddenly saw that the woman was actually sober they would kind of retreat a little bit they wouldn't be so like but i was going to do this thing to you you know and and so there were moments like that where i thought the writing could have used like a little bit of a rewrite Mm -hmm. that said i think it's one of the best movies i've seen and definitely one of the best movies i've seen in a year really better than trolls 2 maybe maybe the best movie i've seen in the last year um and one of the best movies i've seen in the last couple of years and and 
2019 was an extremely strong year for movies, and I think that this could have competed in that year and done really well. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. If you haven't seen the movie, do yourself a favor, pay the $20, rent Promising Young Woman, come back, finish the episode. Yeah, so, I mean, mine is that she died. Okay. I mean, oh. But, I mean, I get, I get it, and, like, the way it made me feel, and unfortunately, that's how a lot of things end, and that's how a lot of women don't get their revenge. And so, you're like... I was like, I don't think I'm going to like this. I don't know how it's going to end to make me feel good. And I kind of feel the same way. Like the ending was like, yeah, it's like you feel good about it. But you're like, was mm-hmm. that like, like the orchestrated like attack yeah. at the what? Like you're just kind of like, dang, I wish I kind of wish she could have like carried out her plan to fruition. More so was that not yeah. her plan? Well, I don't know, because that's the thing is that I'm like, Matt and I were talking about this, and I'm like, did she just plan on dying? It seemed like she did. Yeah. Okay, and I like that, and let me tell you why. Yeah, tell me. We have that first scene with Adam Brody, and she goes back with him to his apartment, and uh, he, she reveals to him that she is, in fact, sober after he had started to make... Moves. Moves. (laughs) Advances. And the next thing we see is her walking down the street with blood on her face. And I thought, oh, no, this is a murder revenge movie. I -hmm. I can't do a murder revenge movie. Mm -hmm. And it's not. Yeah. And so I was very pleasantly surprised through the movie that she wasn't actually really hurting anybody. Hurting them in minimal ways, but not killing anyone. Mm. And I was like, but it's a revenge movie. How is she going to get this revenge? Mm -hmm. And then... It turned out that her dying was the best revenge because she revealed those men for who they really mm, were mm-hmm, and how mm-hmm. disposable women are. Yeah. And in her dying, she brought justice for her and her, her friend. friend yeah. And I think she, thought she was never going to be happy. I felt relief for her when yeah. she died. Yeah. I know how dark that sounds, but I was like, oh, finally this woman has happiness. Yeah. Mm. I felt that same, I mean, that same feeling of like, oh, you like care about the character. So you want them to, I don't know if this is a good comparison or if you guys watch, but Breaking Bad at yeah. the end, I remember being like, I really want Jesse to die. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. just because you care about the person and you're like, you're never going to be able you're to recover from any peace. of this. Yeah. And yeah, but that that is true, especially at the end with Schmidt and that other guy. And, you know, they're like burning her and you see him just like kick her hand. Yeah. Like she's just like something that they just need to get rid of quick. And had she killed them, she would have then been the perpetrator. Yeah. And they would have been victims. Not yeah. satisfying. Yeah. We don't want to see Brett Kavanaugh die. We want to see him held accountable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's this movie's about the Brett Kavanaugh's. Yeah. And, you know. Yeah. The most like the part that I was, I like had to look away and I like almost couldn't even listen because so at the very end after she's been killed and Schmidt comes in, uh, I don't know, I should call him by his, his name. What's his Max Greenfield. Max Greenfield. Schmidt's easier. When he comes in <laughs> and he's comforting his friend who just killed this woman, the like script that they use is exactly what we need to be saying to victims. Yeah. You know, he's saying this wasn't your fault. It's okay. Those are things that need yeah. to be told. And that's, 
and they're vic- you know they think that he thinks he's a victim he, he really does he yeah. thinks that he was a victim and just like that whole that whole scene where he's like grabbing his face and he's like it's okay it's going to be okay and i'm like and the real victim has no voice in this and is about to get thrown away wow you know it's a lot mm. it's a lot it's a hard to watch the hardest to watch scene for me was the scene when she confronts bo burnham slash ryan mm. in his office <sighs> with the tape and you guys i have to be honest yeah. i was like just forgive him you no, know so was you I. guys are happy just forgive him and then he starts laying into her and saying you're a failure you're never going to be a good doctor mm-hmm and it's so interesting because earlier in the movie, she had been willing to forgive Al's lawyer, yeah, Alfred Molina, right? Because mm-hmm. he had shown true remorse. Mm-hmm. And I think that was Emerald Fennel's way of signaling that there can be redemption. Definitely. Show yeah. true remorse. This isn't about cancel culture, as we've already talked about. This mm-hmm. is about actually being sorry for your actions. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, Ryan dis- demonstrated that he was embarrassed and sad that he was losing his girlfriend, but not sorry for what he had done. Totally. And therefore, she wasn't willing to forgive him. Totally. I uh, I don't, well, I, I don't know. Tell me how you guys feel about this. Because part of me is like, I didn't like, I don't know how I felt about it. About how the lawyer ended up being such a key role in her revenge. Mm-hmm. And that so often you you need a man on your side to help you. You know, a lot yeah. of times you need like somebody you oftentimes can't do it on your own and you can't even do it with your fellow women because of we live in a sexist culture and it's hard and you have to have somebody who can ha- who has the power that a man has to carry out what you need done <sighs> and i think that that like matt and i were talking about a lot about that and like his role as a man to stick up for women but then also is it playing into a sexist culture to be you know it's like to rescue the woman if she needs help. Do you know what I'm saying? Is, it, is the woman being damseled over and over again? What? Well, you see this in the workplace, certainly. Yeah, there yeah. are a lot of workplaces where it's like, unless men make some good choices, mm-hmm. no matter what the woman does in the workplace, like she's not going to rise the way the yes. man, her yeah. contemporary man is. But then also is the man being sexist by, like, is it patronizing yeah. to say, I have to make decisions that'll better your life? I mean, I think it is, but I think it's where we are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the idea of you, if you have privilege, then you are expected and required to use that to help people who don't have that privilege. Um, If you're doing it in a patronizing way, which we certainly see, I'm thinking about right now, um, what's her name? Elizabeth Holmes. Oh, yeah. And we we talked about Elizabeth that Holmes. and how like all of these like old white dude politicians, I think patronizingly were like, oh, she's pretty and has an idea. And so they like go in and like ha- hold these press conferences with this woman like, and we're helping her, women in business. A billion dollars. That, that to me is very different mm-hmm. than, mm-hmm. you know, a man in a workplace being like, this is a truly talented woman and she's not being hurt and I can see that happening so I'm going to use my privilege yeah. as man in the workplace to help her get hurt yeah. mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and so I I feel like maybe maybe the movie's communicating that about the attorney and it sucks that like yeah if if a woman has to rely on a man in order to like make something happen that a man would not have to rely on another person to make happen that yeah. sucks mm-hmm. but if that's the reality right now, then that message needs to be given to the men who have the privilege and can actually yeah. help. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I couldn't tell like how I, cause I was like, I wanted her to have all the power, but unfortunately she doesn't, yeah, you know, and yeah. we, so, we don't Yeah, in yeah. society currently. Yeah. Also, if that role had been a woman, 
it wouldn't be that same message that men can be forgiven yeah. for what they've done if they are willing to. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think the hardest scene for me to watch was the one, well, not the hardest. The the hardest was the killing. Yeah. <laughs> but the like most uncomfortable or most like fired up I was was her conversation with Connie Britton. Yeah. Mm. Like that scene, I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> but I mean, it's just true. It's just, I mean, like, it's a it's a common narrative, but you really don't know what that feels like until you have a daughter or a sister or you're in that position. But it's like, should we really have to get to that point before you believe survivors or listen to people? Like, do you have to have a personal experience with it? What, I'm really curious. What did you guys make of the Connie Britton character and what she did and was doing? What do you mean? What, do like, we what, make of what it? did you think? Uh, what did you think about her? Like, to what level is Connie Britton of? A villain, you know, how bad was she? I think that she's representative of a lot of real people who have dealt with a lot of sexual complaint, com- mm-hmm. sexual assault complaints, and have failed to do the right thing about it. I don't, I don't know that calling those people villains is fair, but mm-hmm. I think they're complicit mm-hmm. in yeah. the crisis that we have. Yeah, yeah. I feel like, oh, what was I just gonna say about her character? Yeah, I just feel like it's what it like you can't really tell that story without that character. You yeah. know, it doesn't happen without that character. If it happens at like a university or something, like I feel like that that has to be a piece of the puzzle for it to go the way it did. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, definitely not the villain in it, but it wouldn't have played out the way it did. If I she had handled it that way. She was one of the things that led to the friends assumed suicide. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, because that's the thing is that it's never just one thing. It's always uh, like they're compounded by a million different things. And so you kind of have to see the layers of what the friend went through. Like, because, mm. yeah, I mean, she went to somebody. She did tell somebody. She did need help. She did reach out. And then she was failed. The yeah. The interesting thing about it though is to me is uh connie Britton's character is nuanced in that it's not like she is completely apathetic right it's not like she wants people to get hurt she's also dealing with an unfair system and so i sort of felt like in that scene the connie Britton character was just like well unless i have more information like there's not a lot i can do about this because we all know what happens when we you know, put our weight behind accusing like some dude without enough information. And then mm-hmm. we all get crucified over it. Yeah. And you sort of feel that. And it's like that's Connie Britton's making the wrong choice. Mm-hmm. But it's like, oh, but also she doesn't necessarily like she probably would like for this thing to not happen on her campus. Yeah. But it is happening on her campus. She's not doing enough about it. And there is a reason why she's not doing mm-hmm. enough about it, because there's some pressure on her. That is the unfair system in and of itself. Yeah, I almost feel like it would be different or like the the situation in this, like this specific situation is different because there's a video, like mm-hmm. because there was like proof, there, like stuff like that, because a lot of times, I mean, they that they do have to have that response. They say, I don't know. We don't know. But like in this one where you do know and there was things that were objectively happening that's when it's like, how can you say we need more information? Yeah. You know, like yeah. I, I get I get looking into a situation and saying, we don't know enough. Let's look into it. But when it's all right there and you say my hands are tied. I, for, you know? I forgot about the video. Yeah. That's a good yeah. point. Yeah. Okay. But it's. Yeah. Hmm. Did you tell them to shut up? I did. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is not directly 
in the movie, but it is interesting to consider given what the movie's about and the controversy surrounding it. Have you guys been following the variety controversy? Um, Carrie Mulligan gave an interview with the New York Times and she referenced this interview or this review that Dennis Harvey, who writes for Variety, did of the movie. And she said, um, this review made it sound like I wasn't hot enough to play this role. Oh. He's, and that Margot Robbie should have played the role because Margot Robbie is a producer on this movie. Oh. Dennis Harvey has since come out and said, I am a gay man. I am not in the business of comparing women's hotness. And my review was actually positive. So I want to read you what you wrote and okay. get your take yes, because I'm feeling like I have more context now and my thoughts have changed. So here are two paragraphs of his review. Okay. He's <clears throat> sorry. He says Mulligan, a fine actress, seems a bit of an odd choice as this admittedly many-layered apparent femme fatale. Margot Robbie is a producer here and one can perhaps too easily imagine the role might once have been intended for her. Whereas with this star, Cassie wears her pickup bait gear like bad drag. Even in her long, even her long blonde hair seems a put on. The flat American accent she delivers in her lowest voice register likewise seems a bit meta, though it's not clear what the quote marks around this performance signify. Still, like everything here, this turns in, is skillful, entertaining, and challenging, even when the eccentric method obscures the precise message. I don't think that's a negative review. If that was about me, I don't know if I'd like it. The drag comment feels a little like you don't belong and it doesn't quite look natural on yeah. you, but you're still pulling it off somehow. That's how I read it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the accent part. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know if I would like it if I was, if it was written about me. But would you take offense to it? I don't know. I don't know. It's just, I think, I think if I was in that position, I think it's just like, why the why the Margot Robbie comparison? Yeah. Like why yeah. even like Although, why like I get it. Like if they say, oh maybe Carrie Mulligan was a was an odd choice because of this, but when they say it was an odd choice because Margot Robbie was, was right available. there, yeah. like she was, yeah. Like I don't like that. Yeah. Compare me to Margot Robbie and, and I'll murder you. I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry that I'm about to do it, but Margot Robbie would have been really good at this. Too. Oh, <laughs> she would have been great. She would have been great. She would have been amazing. But she wanted to produce, not be in it. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think that's the part that's like. Like I don't think what she said. Like he's calling, he's telling me I'm not hot enough. I don't think that's really what it is. But just the comparison in general seems really unnecessary. It sounds, and, it sounds less like him saying she's not hot enough to more. She doesn't quite seem to have like the natural, I don't know, vibe that would go along with this nuanced part. But yeah. then she still somehow pulls it off. Yeah, I feel like that's what the review is. Well, and it's just it's so interesting because like Carrie Mulligan is like a beautiful yeah. actress you know and then she's, it's like she's great when she's like compared to Margot Robbie it's like what about like the 99.999 percent of people who don't look like <laughs> Carrie Mulligan and Margot Robbie they're yeah. both like you know late 30s white women yeah. blonde white almost women almost interchangeable yeah. yeah so it's just it's a it's a weird comparison yeah. and it's like okay we get it you can always compare women any any uh protagonist female protagonist you can yeah. always say oh they that could have been somebody else and it's like Okay, sure, we got it. We got it. It could have been. Yeah, that's, Margot Robbie's that's hot. Interesting. You know? What's really that's interesting, interesting is Variety has since issued an apology to mm. Carrie Mulligan, mm. and a film critic circle has come out and said we don't like the way Variety treated Dennis Harvey. So I, I honestly don't know how I feel about it. Yeah. I think it's an interesting moral dilemma to wrestle with. Yeah. Uh, what's a critic's role? What's off limits? And 
Why, yeah. why are you making that face? No, yeah, it's it's, it's an interesting question. What is yeah. a critic's role? Like, I guess don't make it personal, and maybe this was a, felt a little too personal. But... I do feel like when you put yourself on screen willingly, you're subjecting yourself to a lot of criticism. Definitely. Mm-hmm. I think that commenting on women's attractiveness is maybe off limits, but I don't know that that's necessarily what he was doing here. I do agree that comparing her to Margot Robbie, mm-hmm. I mean, no one's gonna, no, there's, there's just not a human as beautiful as Margot Robbie. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and it's not fair, but do critics have to be fair? Hmm. But then I think about the context of the movie and the way we treat women. It's just, it's a lot. It's a lot to think yeah. about. Of all, yeah. of all movies to get close to or cross that line. Yeah. This yeah. is not the one that should do that. Yeah, like do it with like Gatsby. Do yeah. it with a different movie that Carrie Mulligan is oh, in. Oh, the Wall um, Street one she was in. Uh, what was she? Uh, Money Never Sleeps? Oh, she was, was in. garbage. I've was never it? seen it. It was Shia LaBeouf. Oh, I've never seen it, boy. but I did just rewatch the Great Gatsby for some reason. And? and? I, uh, well, I like love Baz Luhrmann. Like yeah. I love all his stuff. And so I love Great Gatsby. Okay. Like I really like it, but I got in a weird like loop because I watched Midnight in Paris, uh-huh. um, which... Yeah, anyway, in this home, we do not support Woody Allen, but I did okay. watch My Night in Paris. Okay. <laughs> it was on, so I watched it, and then I like got into the Zelda uh, Fitzgerald. Fitzgerald, and then I went to F. Scott Fitzgerald, and then I went to Great Gatsby, so I was in this weird loop. Naturally. Yeah, and it, yeah, that was my, I don't know why I felt like sharing with no, you No, I'm, I'm glad but, you did. But uh, yeah, what is a critic's role? I mean, when I think about Carrie Mulligan's character in Promising Young Woman, I feel like she... I don't know. I feel like it's almost better in some ways that she doesn't fit exactly what somebody would like. She's not like some like sex bomb because you kind of want to figure out a way to relate to women who aren't Mar- Margot Robbie, which is I all mean, of us. You know? Would McLovin approach Margot Robbie? Mm, no. I mean, he probably would actually, knowing <laughs> knowing his character in the movie. Yeah. So, yeah, I you know it's interesting. Um, anyway, I don't have an answer there. I just think it, it's been interesting to follow and interesting to watch the discussion of. You know, is it is a celebrity a victim? Is Dennis Harvey a villain? Is was this misconstrued? Cancel culture, all of that. Uh, super, just interesting to kind of try and figure that out. I just feel like it's always a good route to not comment on physical appearance. Yes. Like that's just always a good a good rule of thumb. Like don't unless you're saying I'm pretty. Yes. Then unless you, may. you unless it's on my Instagram and you're complimenting me. Yeah. <laughs> that way I really I like do it. in my writing I try and make that a general rule. Mm-hmm. Like you can comment on what people are wearing. You can comment on if their hair is bananas, but don't yeah. The things they were born with. Yeah. That's off. Yeah. I call that the Meg rule. I really do. No, that's a really good I rule. I follow the Meg rule. Yeah. Thank you. Um, my last thought is the soundtrack slaps. That cover of Toxic is... Oh, it's so good. Spine tingling. Yeah, it is yeah. really good. Mm-hmm. It's haunting and beautiful. To start the movie with boys is pitch perfect. Mm-hmm. Perfect for our generation. I loved it. I loved it, too. I give the movie a solid A for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I would be. Yeah, I feel like she would. She'll get nominated. I mean, I okay. Like. So that also, let's talk about the Golden Globe nominations: uh, Best Picture, yeah. Best Actress, Best Director, Best Screenplay. I don't see it winning Best Pe- Picture or Best Actress or Best Director, but I think Best Screenplay mm-hmm. could I, be an actual. This contender. feels. This feels like the category for that movie. Yeah, they. Mm-hmm. This is. The, they gave it to yeah. Get Out. They give yeah. it to the weirder ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It has really so, unique. Yeah. Um. They. 
the Academy Awards issued their shortlist, but it's not for the big ones. It's for like documentary and animation stuff. So mm-hmm. I'm still waiting to see the shortlist for this. Um, I it, I think there's a chance. I mean, they nominate ten movies, and it's been a weird year. It yeah. has been a weird year. Because <laughs> every movie that came out gets it's, nominated. Yeah. <laughs> I fo- I follow some like Oscar buzzy blogs mm-hmm. and this is this is included in kind of the top 15 most likely movies okay. but it's on the outer edge of it mm-hmm. okay. but the the blogs that i'm following are like don't count this one out it like really could get the nomination unlikely to win it if it does but we'll see it's the best i've seen so far mm-hmm. so yeah it's it's like probably one of if not the best movie i've seen in like the last like two or three years. Yeah. I feel like, the, like, I mean, an obviously totally different vibe completely, but the only move, the last movie I saw that I was like thinking about for a long time after, like I was, with, was with this one was Jojo rabbit. Oh, like that was the, I'm so glad you, that I love I that love movie it. stayed with me for like two months. Yeah. yeah. I, like, yeah, I still think about it like weekly. Mm-hmm. I, I love that movie and I feel, I mean, again, for different reasons, but yeah. mm-hmm. it just has stayed with me for a long time. So yeah, yeah, this it. has real lasting power. Yeah, I think about this movie a lot. Yeah, uh, I think, and I will continue to. Yeah, yeah. and I think that men should it, see it and it has just to absorb it. As, yeah. as heavy as it as the content is, it also has rewatchability. I mean, it is billed as a dark comedy. Mm-hmm. You know, and there are funny moments in there, it. I mean, so many movies that are like heavy and really, really good. You're like, I never want to watch that again. But wow, that was impactful. Yeah. This when it ended, I was like, I'd rewatch that. Like yeah. that was pretty. It I know. Was I pulled it up today to rewatch it for preparation, and I was like, twenty dollars. You know. Yeah. If when it's rentable, though, I'll for sure rent it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, Maddie, thank you so much for being here it's and discussing an this movie. With absolute us. pleasure. Let's um, do it again soon. Tell people where to find you. I am on Instagram. I was going to say my address just to be annoying, <laughs> but uh... <laughs> I wouldn't recommend that. Yeah, I uh, am on Instagram at the Bad Broadcast, and it's on wherever you find your podcasts. The Bad Broadcast. I know I made it a mouthful because it rhymes with podcast, but. I love Whatever. the name. I think it's so fun. I'm like some people are like, "Oh, is it the bad broadcast podcast?" I'm like, "No, let's let's uh, let's do more." Okay. Yeah, um, you can subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening to this. You can also become a patron on our Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash HiveMindHQ. We're doing Bridgerton right now. It is getting very inappropriate. Sorry, mom. Uh, leave us a good rating and review. No, someone left a one star rating, and I'm still mad about it. Like, if you don't like the podcast, just stop. There's oh other podcasts. Go listen to a different podcast. Yeah, make your own podcast. The one star. The one star. It's the worst. Yeah. Anyway, luckily they didn't read a review. You guys that probably are. You guys are reviewing me. Bridgerton right now. We, yeah, well, like I'm on, doing on, it with my other co-host Emily. No, I've so. only seen the inappropriate scenes. I fast forwarded. They are. <laughs> That's all you watch. My mom was like, "You can fast forward through them." I'm like, "No, I fast forwarded to them." <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. If you want, you could just skip how, to episode five. Yeah, how, how I literally rated are these? I don't watch the show. X rated is a bit extreme, yeah. but it's a lot of hanky panky around R. this mansion. It's okay. R. Are you game? Of, did you watch Game of Thrones? No. Oh, okay. Is it Game of Thrones level? Oh no. 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 That's what I was going to say. Is no. that it's like I understand that Game of Thrones had some pretty raunchy scenes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what else am I saying? Oh yeah, subscribe to our newsletter, HiveMind.Substack.com. That's the list. Do all those things. You get a gold star. Uh, and we, Nick, is joining us next week to talk Nomadland. I'm really yes. dreading it. I'm so excited. <sighs> okay. Well, we'll see how it goes. Uh, until then. See you later.